With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. The end of another broadcasting week for old Ricky Munn here on TNT, today's news talk. And what a week it's been. Uh, I almost feel like I'm going to go into autopilot and tell you people how we're on the ground in London at the Assange hearing, but we're not. That was a few days ago. And uh, let me just say this, the overwhelming feedback has been massively positive. In fact, I haven't heard any negative feedback whatsoever following TNT's efforts at covering uh, the Assange hearing in London. Earlier on this week, let me just read out a few comments, actually, that were highlighted just to kick us off on a positive note. Uh, TNT says, TNT says, thank you to our supporters globally and for the wonderful comments on our Julian Assange coverage. And just to quote a few things, TNT put all the other stations to shame. Another quote is, uh, there are no other news stations now. And another one goes even further and says, thank God for you lot, TNT saved my sanity. Two years ago, brilliant job, keep it up. And I know from reading our live chat uh, on and off since it's been introduced, there's a lot of people out there who have benefited from TNT. And when I say benefited, I mean it's just a hub where people can come to feel that they're not alone, to uh, make friends with each other, to interact with each other, to hear a little bit about what's going on in the world and also maybe to have a little laugh along the way. And if we can do all of those things, then I, I would definitely say that it's mission accomplished uh, for TNT. So thank all of you uh, for your lovely feedback and comments. And of course, for following the events uh, of this week. And it was a massive uh, team effort. Charlotte was uh, running around like a headless chicken most week uh, of the week, getting everything organized and booking guests and making sure everything flowed smoothly. Mike came all the way over from Australia. Uh, he was there too. And uh, the team on the ground, the guests, the guys in the studio, everybody really mucked in. So uh, massive uh, congratulations to everybody that was involved in that. Just before we uh, kick off, well, just to let you know a flavour of what's coming up this hour, we have a real banger of a show, not one show, but two as well. Uh, in the first hour, I'm going to be joined in a minute uh, by Gemma, and then by the one and only Rob Hood, a.k.a. Robbie the Rat Catcher. And if that doesn't make you want to stay tuned to hear what's going to be said, then I don't know what will. I've never spoke to Robbie the Rat Catcher before, but I'm not going to lie. I'm quite excited about it. And then at the end of the show, uh, Hard Cox is going to be joining me talking about the war on motorists in the second hour. Uh, Andreas Mitchley, uh, a health and fitness entrepreneur and an independent candidate for Mayor of London, will be joining me. And then... Greg Maybury, uh, Western Australia's finest. <laughs> I should really extend that to Australia's finest, but <clears throat> I don't want to give him a big head. Western Australia's finest will be joining me uh, for a wrap-up on what's going on post-Assange hearing and, of course, a little update on what's happening in the Middle East. Yes, because uh, there's never a dull moment over there either for all the wrong reasons. So I'm just going to compose myself, shrug my shoulders, uh, pick my nose in the next little uh, interlude and then uh, have a chat. <coughs> and clear my throat with the one and only Gemma Cooper on TNT. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. <laughs> Gemma, what a, what a week it's been. Um, I don't want to, uh, I'm trying to go to say this and I'm trying to position it properly, but 
after all the hullabaloo on Tuesday and Wednesday, okay, I think everybody was bracing themselves for an outcome or for a result, whether it be good, whether it be bad, even we might have had to change our programming today. But the judges have retired to have a chat about what might happen this song. And I'm told now the word in the street is it's going to be March before we actually find out. You talk about a cliffhanger. Well, actually, it's quite normal. That is quite normal. And I was kind of alluding to that along my my new segments from the studio during the Assange outside broadcast is that because it's such a complex point of law, it, even when when you're sentenced for a crime in, in the criminal crown courts, um, you don't really, you, you get convicted or found guilty or not guilty, but then the sentencing always does come at a later date. The judge will go away and consider the sentencing guidelines, which is a book about this big, uh, and, and bring into th factors like, you know, is it a first offence? And the same thing happens with him hearings like this because points of law need to be considered and although judges ostensibly are supposed to be quite knowledgeable there are points of law where they will need to go away and refer um, so they will consider and I do think as well they know the eyes of the world are on this case uh, they, so they don't want any loopholes they don't want anyone to be able to say well actually if you find back in 1948 that clause says you know what I mean so they mm. are very very determined to get this right on points of law there's been a lot of talk about the judges as well though and their establishment links um, so you know we will be waiting a few weeks but that is quite standard there's nothing conspiratorial about the outcome of, of this particular hearing that is normal law law practice as it were um, it depends we just don't you know and even if he it goes his way that's just permission to have another hearing, which will be the appeal hearing. It'll just go on and on and on. And the poor man Terrible. in the meantime is not very well, is he? It's a bit like uh, going to the dentist. You know, people dread being in the dentist's chair. They dread that drill moving its way into your mouth, those needles stuck in your gums. But I think the only place in the world worse than the dentist's chair is the waiting room to go to the dentist's chair because it's that anticipation, that not knowing. I remember when I was a kid, when I used to go to the dentist, you know, you would sit in the waiting room and you could hear the drill and you would hear, ah, ah. <laughs> it would be very frightening uh, for a young child. And it was almost a relief to jump into that chair and get the old one, two, three sound out you go, son. Uh, so yeah, uh, I can only imagine the stress that uh, everyone's under waiting for this next ruling that might lead to an appeal or worse, an extradition. Oh, it's Friday. I have to throw this. Well, no pun intended. Maybe this is psychological. Throw this one at you. When you hear this story, Gemma, this will make you laugh. Okay, exclusive in the Irish Independent this morning. Woman's 760,000 euro injury claim dismissed after she was photographed winning a Christmas tree throwing competition. I kid you not, right? So she claimed to have suffered debilitating injuries in a car accident that left her unable to work for over five years had her three quarters of a million euro claim dismissed after she was pictured winning this competition. Camilla Grabska, a real Irish sounding lady, I can just picture her with her long tresses of red hair, uh, from Ennis County Clare told the High Court she suffers constant back pain, neck and thoracic spine pain that made her unable to even lift her groceries or play with her little children. And I kid you not, I wish you could see this, there's a picture of her throwing a Christmas tree, and I mean... It's a tree, Gemma. It's not a little, uh, you know, 50 quid plastic effort from B&Q. It's an actual tree. You ever see the Highland Games? You see them tossing the caber? That's what she's doing in this photograph. But she claims she can't lift her groceries or play with her children, but she can muster up to throw a Christmas tree. What do you think? Is she a chancer or what? 
Well, yeah, and, and yeah. What's the name again? It's very Eastern European Camilla, sounding name. Camilla Grabska. Camilla Grabska. Very Irish sounding name. Probably her middle name Siobhan or uh, Roisin, but her first name's Camilla and her last name's Grabska from Ennis County Clare. I think not somehow. I think with a name like that, it conjures up all the images of, you know, the Eastern European athletes on steroids and on the Olympics yeah. in the 1970s and 80s, doesn't it? I mean, I haven't seen the picture, but I have a very vivid picture in my mind of what, of what you're talking about. And yeah, as you rightly say, it's a Christmas tree. It's not some disposable plastic bauble. Uh, it's a tree. So I'm intrigued to know whether the whether Christmas tree throwing competition takes place. I wouldn't mind uh, witnessing that, I think. <laughs> I used to do partake in a little bit of Christmas tree throwing myself, but usually what I did was I got rid of my, once had a, a real Christmas tree, never again. Uh, and I remember having to find somewhere to fly tip it uh, when I'd finished with it. I stuck it into the back of my car. The needles shed everywhere. I was furious. And then I had to drive around the country roads until I found a gap in the hedge. And then I tossed it into some poor farmer's field. So I've done a little Christmas tree throwing myself, but never in competition, always illegally. Honest, Gov honest but anyway enough about my uh, criminal past uh, let's get to the story at hand uh, energy bills energy bills something i think we can all uh, associate with and uh, feel the pain of uh, apparently uh, bills will fall uh, in next april say off gem will they well, you know, call me cynical, but yeah, this story has broken this morning. Uh, it would affect everyone in the UK. Apart from Northern Ireland, I think are slightly different in their energy, the way the energy bills are calculated. But obviously energy bills since Ukraine and since the scandemic, uh, the, the energy companies have hiked them up. The price cap went through the roof. But today, uh, Ofgem, which is a government department, has announced that the, the, there'll be new limits on the price cap from April, which means that the average price falls from nearly £2,000 for the average household old, which is, you know, ostensibly two adults and two to three kids, uh, to 1,690. So it's a £238 saving annually. Now, you know, the mainstream media have gone mad over this story. Oh, my God, it's brilliant. It's really good news. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, but uh, the uh, suppliers may uh, add a one-off payment to households of £28 to recover uh, costs that they lost during COVID years uh, and also uh, to cover other costs. So one-off payment of £28 if you're actually, you're, you're really not looking at a saving of, of much more than 200 quid over the year. Now, they're going on about the the, the cap. Um, the cap is controlled by Ofgem, Ofgem and it changes every three months. So they could have lowered the price of the cap before the winter, you would argue that that would have been a more sensible thing to do with record numbers of people struggling to pay these energy bills. And the energy companies saying there's a total energy debt of people that haven't paid of 3.1 billion. That shows up, you know, how many people are now not paying. Um, but they didn't do that. They waited until now. They said the prices will go down in April. Well, what have we got coming up this year? We have a general election. Uh, Ofgem is a government department. So it's really the government that has decided, let's bring the price cap down. Let's bring the cost of energy down. Oh, that would be great. That'd be great. That'd be a really good story. Well, the, yeah, the mainstream is salivating over this. But that, I thought to myself, you know, oh, it sounds like the energy companies are really struggling. 3.1 billion of debt. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's terrible. So I went and had a look at their profits just for last year. Right. Brace yourself. Incoming, Rick. Brace yourself for this. British gas in 2022 made a profit of 72 million. Last year, it went up tenfold to 751 million. That's a jump of tenfold in one year. Eon in 2022 made a profit of 352 million. It went up last year to 839 million. That's in euros. 
Scottish Power saw uh, an increase from 87 million in 2022 to, to 576 million last year. And EDF went from 860 million pound profit 2022 to 2.3 billion last year. So they're not struggling at all, are they? So no. you you could argue that some of these profits, record profits that have gone to shareholders' pockets, could have been filtered down to the customer way, way, way before the government in an election year decided to bring the energy price cap down. Mm. Call me cynical. But this has got nothing to do with, with the consumers or consumer power. We still have people that won't be able to afford to pay that particular bill, even if it is a jump down of £200. That's nothing when you, you factor that over a 12-month period. It's less than £20 a month in your pocket. And that £20 a month now in the UK is worse less than ever as the price of food and other retail um, products have gone up. Uh, so that's where we are with this. I mean, those profits made my eyes water. Mm -hmm. Corporate greed is alive and well. But no, no, no. The mainstream media, as always, is looking at this story thing. It's absolutely wonderful. I'm looking at this story thinking they should all be ashamed of themselves. You remember uh, that uh, notorious film from the 80s, Wall Street, with uh, Michael Douglas, and I think it was uh, Charlie Sheen, and he played this uh, city slicker, you know, rat dirty rat investor called Gordon Gecko, And one of the catchphrases from that movie was greed is good. Greed is good. And I think it, it absolutely applies these days. You look at the uh, British Gas, for example, they're operating under the banner of uh, Centrica. If you look up their share price, you'll see how much it's went up. And they also pay a nice dividend out to all the shareholders, which means they take all that profit and they redistribute it out among the people that are actually investing in the company. It's the same with BP and all the major oil companies and the banks. Most of them pay a hefty dividend, which means they take some of that profit and redistribute it, not back to the people that have made them the profit in the first place, the customer no 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 it goes to the shareholder and uh yeah uh, it's a nice little learner a lot of uh, very rich fat cats are making a very uh, nice retirement out of their dividend income streams it technically speaking investing off the back of the profit that they're making from us so i think you know people always ask for solutions Gemma. i think one of the uh, things that should be made to happen is if you're making a tenfold profit in a year you know from 75 roughly to 750 roughly million in one year there is nothing to stop you from taking you know 100 million of that, 200 mil, and reducing, uh, you know, prices for the, until this, even this meager price cap reduction comes in from off gem as well. But they won't do that because they're Gordon Geckos. They're uh, practicing daily. The mantra of greed is good. But as my old granny used to say, there are no pockets in a shroud. So all those fat cats can get fat, get to the grave quicker. And when they get buried and lowered into the ground and eaten by maggots, they won't be taking that money with them. So anyway, uh, that's a little uh, Grim Reaper-esque uh, humor just around this little segment off. Uh, big thanks to you for bringing that story to us. And of course, we'll talk again in the next star. So uh, stay tuned for more magic here on uh, TNT. Rob Hood, a.k.a. Rob the Rat Catcher, is incoming. So don't go away. Don't get caught out here on TNT. TNT's Mark Morano. Breaking news. Climate punks trash the U.S. Constitution at the National Archive Rotunda in Washington, D.C. We are determined to foment a rebellion. We will not be held account to laws in which we have no voice or representation. The entire U.S. archive was evacuated because of this stunt. And did you notice our men in blue and women in blue 
stood around and enabled these protesters to not only deface the case of the of the where the U.S. Constitution was held, but also to quiet the crowd, it seemed like, and just allow them to speak. It's almost as if, hey, they have the floor, everyone. Let's be quiet. We have some uh, we have some uh, vandals here that want to speak. Let's give them our due respect that they've deserved, that they've earned. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's News Talk TNT Radio should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. tntradio.live. Okay, we are coming at you live we are locked and we are loaded. This is TNT, today's news talk. And what a show uh, it's been so far. And the best, I believe, is yet to come. I'm about to uh, link up with a very uh, interesting gentleman indeed, uh, Rob Hood. Also goes by the name of Robbie, the rat catcher. And how could someone like me not want to talk to a man like this? Rob, welcome to TNT. How are you doing this fine Friday morning? Good morning to you, my friend. Yeah, it's good to see you. I'm glad that we were able to connect up here this morning. Uh, Rob, you're part of a a group, the War and Peace uh, Network on the Telegram channel and also the Lawful Enforcement Alliance. And I've seen some footage over the course of this week, uh, some shenanigans that was happening down at uh, Portsmouth's Magistrates Court. I believe you were in the thick of things down there. If I can just uh, give you a little news headline that I'm looking at here from Portsmouth.co.uk. Activists swarmed the Portsmouth Magistrates Court to carry out citizen arrest and judges as some issues were reported and you've been dubbed as MI5 activists. Are you an MI5 activist? And what were you up to down at Portsmouth Court? What were you up to? I am most certainly not an MI5 activist. I'm just a normal person who's seen uh, victimisation, criminality, uh, judges conspire to pervert the course of justice. Uh, We've watched this happen over an 18-month period, and we've got nowhere in their system. And basically, we've had enough. We've now got enough evidence to prosecute those involved. Hampshire police have refused to assist us, so we carried out citizens' arrest as we're legally entitled to do. Uh, and again, the police turned up and refused to assist us again. So, uh, when you say um, that, that there's corruption, for example, down in uh, uh, Portsmouth, you've got evidence there. You went down there to make a citizens' arrest. Is this in and around uh, council tax? Am I, am I correct in saying that is something to do with uh, council tax payments? Yeah, for the past 24 months, the Lawful Enforcement Alliance and myself have got concrete evidence that council tax is not an enforceable tax in England and Wales. Scotland, we're not so sure about. I think the legislation changes differently. But we have now got the evidence we require, and we did attempt to arrest the judge unassisted by Hampshire Police, unfortunately. So uh, council tax uh, it seems to be a little bit of a, <clears throat> a thorn in everybody's flesh at the minute. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be talking to you this morning about this. Normally we find out the day before, but all week we've been covering uh, the ripoff 
that is council tax and the fact that we're scratching our heads many people in the uk rob are scratching their heads saying well hang on a minute i'm paying two grand a year i'm paying three grand a year and what am i getting back for it i'm getting my bins emptied if i'm lucky once a week, uh, there's still potholes in the road. I still can't get an appointment to see my GP. You know, infrastructure's going down the toilet. Uh, so a lot of people are asking, what am I paying for? What are people, what are council taxes going towards? Because uh, a lot of people don't see them in everyday life. Well, this is a very interesting topic. If you look at the uh, House of Commons records, which are accessible to the public, you'll see that the government themselves claim to take in revenue of £42 billion in council tax. But mm. that cannot be true because the Local Government Finance Act of 1992 states that it's a local taxation for the local area. So if that's true, which it's not, how can the government claim to take in £42 billion in council tax? They can't something's not right something smells and when you look deeper you can find the truth because the truth is there to be seen so so th this money that they that they claim to connect or even uh they have or they've claimed to collect Again, the question is, well, what's it actually going towards? I know there's, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, people have to be paid out of council taxes and, you know, maintenance has to be done. But by and large, when people are looking at what they're actually paying, and I think the average is about two or three grand a year, depending on where you live, you know, your banding, whether or not you've got a bigger or a smaller house. But on average, two or three grand a year is an awful lot of money, 200 quid a month. And in return for what, you know, as I say, when I look around where I live at the minute, uh, I apart from bin collection, I'm not really seeing any evidence of money being spent making my community a better place or embellishing it or making it more beautiful or tidying it up or filling in holes in the road. So w where does the money actually, where do they claim that the money actually goes? Okay, so if you break council tax down, which you get an annual report on, it goes towards policing, it goes mm. towards the fire service, Part of your council mm. tax goes towards policing crime commissioners, which are paid mm. £80,000 a year. But also when you look at that it's supposed to go towards the elderly care of and people in the community. But when you look in Portsmouth as an example, just as an example, the leader of Portsmouth City Council, Natalie Bramapero, is paid £15,000 per month as a wage. She's on £180,000 a year for sitting in her office uh, writing out uh, checks to the to the wages of the, the the council tax employees, and basically that's all it's doing. It's collecting your bins. The libraries are closing. The toilets are closing. Mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. sure start centres are closing. Uh, anything to do with mental health is closing. It's yes. everything's closing. Yeah. Yeah, interesting you bring up the mental health thing because I covered a story here that the town that I live in, uh, there's a adult learning centre is being closed at the end of March. There's 50 adults in there uh, with learning difficulties. They're having their day centre closed, which is a devastating blow for them because the council claimed that the funding's not there to do it. But right beside it, almost next door to it, we have a hotel that was uh, yeah. commissioned years ago and uh, fully subsidized to put uh, migrants or asylum seekers into it. The money's there to do that. I see deliveries being made to it most mornings, the finest of beef coming from the local butchers and the finest of produce going in there to feed these yeah. guys. But yet the, the taxpayers and the residents of this town uh, are having their kids effectively pushed to the side because they're crying that we don't have the money for it. And of course, again, 
when you're thinking I'm paying 200 or 300 quid a month towards the upkeep of the council. I don't see cops around here, uh, Rob, where I live. Uh, very occasionally they drive past me. Uh, one of them's on the mobile phone. The other one's probably munching on a donut. Uh, the fire brigade, I can't remember the last time I seen them either. So yes, I get that they justify it. Uh, they're spending it on this, that and the other. But I don't think many people actually see it when they go out into the real world, which is the towns and cities in which they live. No, your council tax is going increasing annually at 6% and your uh, services are decreasing at maybe 10%. It's, uh, mm. You're paying for no service whatsoever. Uh, you're paying for Natalie Brahma Perro to sit in her office on 15 grand a month and how can she justify that? Portsmouth City Council are £360 million in the red and they're forecasting that there'll be nearly £900 million next year in the red. Well, you see those figures, actually, I want to I want to compare those figures with another council that I've looked at recently, which is Birmingham City Council, which has been declared yeah. bankrupt. Uh, and their, their uh, liabilities are through the roof. We've got to take a, just a quick 30-second uh, headline news break right now. But when we come back yeah. at the other end, let's ask the question of how have councils been allowed to run themselves into that much debt? Surely warning signs should have been uh, seen and uh, the alarm should have been triggered long before the debt levels in your case reached 360 million quid, projected up to nearly a billion uh, next year. So let's look at why it's allowed to get that far when we come back here on TNT, today's news talk. What's happening? News flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Incredible visions emerged out of Spain, where a fire has engulfed two high-rise buildings, killing multiple people. Nigeria's defence chief has slammed the West for allowing its weapons to end up in the hands of terrorists. Iran has blamed Israel for last week's explosions that ruptured two of the country's key gas pipelines. And a police officer in Australia has been charged with murdering his ex-boyfriend and his new partner before disposing of their bodies. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Okay, so I'm talking with Rob Hood this morning from uh, the Lawful Enforcement Alliance. They've been very active in and around Portsmouth recently. Uh, Rob, you were talking figures there, if, uh, if I'm correct, £360 million uh, in the red this year, projected up towards £900 million next year. I mean, even in 12 months, let's be honest about it, it's bad enough having a £360 million debt this year, but how the hell can it go from 360 to £900 million? In 12 months, is that not the ultimate sign of incompetence and mismanagement? Well, I don't think incompetence is the word. I don't even know if it's deliberate. When you look at uh, what's actually happening, uh, it's, 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 it's outstandingly wrong. Uh, uh, sorry, I've took a blank spot for a second. Uh, the, the council no, yeah, the council themselves in, nine, in June of 1972 were uh, preparing themselves for joining the common market. And in January the 1st of 1973, every English council and Welsh council became corporate bodies. So they were no longer part of the state or part of the, the people. They became independent corporations. And that's where it went wrong because they're no longer serving the people themselves. They're serving their shareholders. They're serving their directors. They're all got their finger in the pot and they're all helping themselves as much as they can before the train comes to a stop. 
Yeah, interesting you say they've become like a type of corporation serving the shareholders. Yesterday, uh, I had a chap on uh, Raja Mia from Oldham. He's running as an independent candidate uh, for Parliament in Oldham. And he said uh, the Oldham Council's uh, running them into the ground too. Uh, they're having 5% year-on-year uh, increases. The local council bought a shopping centre just before the pandemic hit. You know, then it's closed down. Nobody could trade. They're running on a loss and that. They're not investors. They're supposed to be managing funds on behalf of the people and improving infrastructure. And Birmingham's another one. In fact, what hit me about Birmingham was they, they're, um, they have a £750 million claim hanging over their heads about unfair uh, inequality and payments, 80 million yeah. quid overspend on an IT system. But they raised mm-hmm. the rates by 20-odd percent uh, year on year. So it's the people of Birmingham that are picking up the mess and cleaning up the mess that these gangsters are actually making. And linking back to what you you know were originally saying about the legality of actually paying council tax fees, how can it be legal that people are paying four times over what the normal is, you know, from 5% to 20% increase to pay for other people's mess, and they're still not getting any improved services? Yeah, council tax is an illegal tax, and we have proven it over the past 24 months. Uh, council tax non-payment is a civil matter, but it's heard in a criminal court. Why is it heard in a criminal court? because the normal judges in county courts won't take part in this fiasco, but the ones in the magistrates' courts, who are non-record courts, they are getting backhanders, they're taking the money, and they are, no matter what your defence is to non-payment of council tax, you're heard in a criminal court for a civil debt, and the councils hire the courtrooms, and we can prove that 100%. They hire the court. You've got no chance of defending yourself in that situation. So what do we do then? Uh, because, I mean, it, with, from a legal point of view, we have a, we have a standing here, but in reality, the system's manipulated according to what you've just said. There were effectively a civil case. It's heard in a criminal court. They hire out the criminal court. So really, you know, you're 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 trying to go up against uh, the person who's hired the court and is standing in judgment over you. What can we do? I mean, like if enough people do band together and refuse to pay this, would it break the system in terms of would it stop? Uh, the, the courts just simply couldn't deal with the amount of cases that would be coming towards it. Is that what's needed? Because one or two people acting in isolation in this, I don't think it's going to make any difference. They'll end up just getting a bad uh, credit rating or a CCJ against them and then have to pay back what they owe plus fees if they're unsuccessful. Is, is that the way it works? No, that's not how it works. That's not that's that if, if you were dealing with a legitimate court, that's how it would work. But yes. we're not dealing with legitimate courts. We're dealing with judges who are on the payroll of the council. We're dealing with corrupt councils, and we're also dealing with corrupt MPs. Uh, the local MP Penny Morden has refused to deal with this situation. The local MP Stephen Morgan has refused to refused to deal with this situation. The police will refuse to deal with the situation, and our only option now after exhausting every option that we have ever had in the past two years, is civil disobedience peacefully, I have to hasten to add, by not paying council tax. And you won't make a difference by not paying your council tax because it's already broken. The council tax has been broken for years as as the, the debts that have now been shown. They're, they're uh, investing in solar panel farms. Did you see that story where the I solar did. panel farms... And the council lost billions of pounds. There was multiple councils invested in that. They're not there to invest our money in their flippant schemes for their shareholders' profits. But back to the legalities of 
Portsmouth Magistrates Court and every magistrate's courts in the country. They are fraudulent courts that are hired. We know they're hired. The, the, the staff there have told us that they are hired. Everybody knows they're hired. And our option that we decided to take as the Lawful Enforcement Alliance was to civilly arrest the judge and the solicitors and everyone within that courtroom. And as you've seen probably from the video, I was violently assaulted by mm -hmm. a security guard who refused to show his identification, which is another criminal offence, and the police stood back and let it happen. I watched that video and, you know, it almost seems to be that if somebody's wearing a high visibility jacket, you know, and they've got a little uniform on, it seems to trump the law of the land. Uh, you know, you were standing there being, uh, you know, pushed around and uh, shoved from pillar to post. The cops were literally standing back watching this. You were making your case and explaining why you were there. And yet it was you that was effectively treated like, uh, the you know, the criminal or a trespasser. You pay your taxes. I'm sure you have done in the past. You have every right to be in that building. You have a legal standing to be there you're trying to uh you know make a citizen's arrest which is not against the law either but then you were impeded uh, by this chap or these people who weren't wearing identification they were breaking the law on several points but yet you were treated as a criminal this is not another part of the problem we have here rob when you try and do the right thing when you try and yeah. act civilly uh, with non-violence you know disobedience mass non-compliance peaceful this is what you yeah. get in return this is the message that's been given is we don't care what you say we don't care if you're in the right we're going to bundle you off and let this uh uniformed uh, unidentified thug just have his way with whoever happens to uh, cross the boundaries of uh, plymouth uh, uh court it's it's a real mess isn't it well when you look at the truth of the matter is this contracted security service is OCS uh, Group UK Limited and they are not uh, HMS or HMCTS staff but they wear HMCTS uniforms which in itself is a crime because they're mm -hmm. misrepresenting who they actually work for and they refuse constantly even though they are legally bound by the Private Security Industry Act of 2001 to display their license. If they don't display their license, it's a six months prison sentence and an unlimited fine. And the court have been written to by us multiple times over the past 18 months to let them know that they are encouraging this, they're allowing it, they're permitting it, and they, they, they don't care. They have to collect council tax no matter what laws they break because they know they will collapse. And they will collapse, but they're going to collapse by their own volition. They're, they're, they're collapsing themselves through their own greed. Yeah, that seems to be yeah, the downfall. That'll be the downfall for these people ultimately is uh, greed. And just before you came on, uh, uh, I was talking to Gemma Cooper, uh, who's our news editor. And, you know, we were talking about that film Wall Street from the 80s. Gordon Gekko said greed is good. We're talking about the profits that British gas are making this year. We're talking about the profits the oil companies are making. But yet when it comes to uh, us cutting a getting a break from uh, you know our rates that we're paying in council tax or whether or not it be the bills that we're paying for electric or the prices that we're paying at the pump we don't get cut that slack but you know all we can do rob we can just keep uh, banging on fighting the good fight uh, and bringing it to these keep the pressure on these people which is uh, what you guys are doing and you're doing a great job of it we've got to wrap this one up uh, as per now am i right in saying just keep me right if i've got this wrong the best way to find out what you guys are up to and contact you guys is you have a telegram group 
called the War and Peace Network on Telegram. And uh, also you're part of the Lawful Enforcement Alliance that operates in and around Plymouth. Is there another website that I don't know about or, or what's the best place to go to find out the latest about what you guys are doing? There is a website called pompeyhood.info mm-hmm. and that's uh, showing what we're currently up to. And we are going back to Portsmouth Magistrates this Wednesday where they're having mm-hmm. a bulk hearing and we will be arresting the judge and the staff there as well, with or without the assistance of Hampshire Police. Good man. Well, listen, uh, we're out of time as per right now. I just want to say a big thanks to you, Rob, uh, for taking the time out this morning uh, to come on and talk to us about what you've been up to this week and, of course, uh, what you're going to be up to uh, over the next week or two as well. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that and we'll see what happens. And, uh, yeah, bring your crash helmet next time in case you come up against those uh, unsolicited security guards. We don't want you back again with a black eye or a broken tooth, uh, God forbid. But uh, you have a great, great weekend anyway, Rob, and uh, keep, keep up the good work uh we've got to take a little break as per right now and then uh back with hard cocks at the other side here live on tnt don't go away give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg remember adriana on the sopranos here's how we last saw her he's a strong kid chrissy he's tough well she got whacked but last week, actress Drea De Matteo was with Megyn Kelly, and the self-proclaimed liberal had some harsh words for those of her political ilk. I really do think that the left is way more um, just angry, and this is supposed to be the hippies and the you know the people that really do care about equality and inclusivity, and then all of a sudden they are the ones shutting everything down, shutting everyone out condemning freedom of speech, condemning everything. And she went after her Sopranos on-screen lover, Michael Imperiali. He was condemning some stuff on his Instagram feed that I noticed and, um, like, ivermectin. Mm. I thought that was, I thought that was irresponsible. Last year, Imperiali posted on Instagram that he's gonna make sure nobody who's a homophobe or a bigot ever watches The Sopranos or any of his work. The left is Looney. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Yes, TNT, today's news talk with the fun and the frolics and the shenanigans never ends. Uh, I'm very happy to be joined again here this morning, live, uncensored, unscripted, and all that business by the one and only Hard Cox. Uh, Hard is the Fair Fuel UK founder. He's a Reform UK Lord Mayor candidate, and he stopped 200 billion quids worth of fuel tax hikes. Uh, quite a gentleman in, in, in every way, shape and form. Hard welcome back to the show this morning. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Rick. And you've done it again. It's not Lord Mayor, it's just Mayor, because Lord Mayor is a ceremonial position. Uh, you know, and I don't dress up in robes. Not, not, not in my day job, anyway. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? I I, I have to own, own that Horrible clangor mistake. You did correct me on it the last time. And you know what? There's a guy coming on in my second hour of my show. He's another chap that's running for Lord or Mayor of London candidate. And I actually have the note down. I've written down Mayor of London. I just subliminally inserted Lord when he maybe that's maybe that's uh I don't know, a subliminal thing when you am thinking this guy could be the he should be a Lord Mayor. He's above being a mayor, this guy. Oh well, well, well one of the candidates last time, Sean Bailey who came second to uh, uh, to Sadiq Khan, is in fact a lord now. So there you go. Well, maybe there you go. If you get elected, maybe you'll end up in the lords. I don't know. And if you do, remember me. And, uh, yeah. Rem remember who got you there. It was me. Okay. But anyway, that aside, shenanigans aside, let's talk about uh, motorists. You're a motorist. I'm a motorist. I'm sure the vast majority of people listening to this this morning are motorists. And if it's not one thing uh, hard, it's another thing. Insurance renewals at the minute, uh, a lot of people are getting the renewals through. And some people are saying, well, what's the big deal? You know, how bad can it be? There's huge price hikes in people's car insurance renewals this year. And even when you use the price comparison sites, uh, people are getting nobbled with them. Of course, oil prices never really came down after the Ukraine-Russia business. I know they spiked up to nearly two quid a litre, but they're still hovering in and around the 140, 150 mark. And in a cost of living crisis, Every penny really does count uh, for, especially people that are running cars, maybe more than one car. Uh, you wrote, wrote a piece there uh, recently that was published in The Sun. It was a plea, really, to cut fuel duty uh, to Jeremy Hunt. Of course, I would back that 100%, but old Jeremy doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would actually sit, scratch his little head and say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to do what's right by the motorist. I'm going to cut the duty. I wouldn't put it past him to increase it just out of spite. What do you think? Well, we're, the, the UK motorists, there's 37 million of us and something like 36 million of them drive a petrol or diesel vehicle and they contribute something like £50 billion pounds per year to the Exchequer. That's, I'll say it again, a billion pounds a week uh, and, you know, and all sorts of things. And that's increasing exponentially because of the charges of the roads, the ULEZs, you name it, everything about parking. And we are still uh, in the UK, probably the fifth or sixth highest tax drivers in the world. The ones that beat us are Hong Kong and Singapore. So it's not really a, a comparison in that respect. But the most of the developed world, i.e. Germany, uh, France, and certainly America, I mean, but the fuel over there is half the price of what we pay here. Uh, and the important thing about this is that what I get really frustrated with and for 14 years campaigning about it, we've proven to him un unequivocally that if you cut fuel duty or lower the price of fuel, it actually lowers inflation, adds to uh, GDP growth, generates growth taxes because there's more money consumer spending going on, goes into business, they pay more corporation tax. It's a no-brainer. And an important aspect of, of this is driving is the commercial and social heartbeat of any economy. 
And, and what I'm pleading with him is, is to wake up, smell the proverbial coffee and say, come on, for six months, why not try cutting it for 20p? I'll tell you what it would do. Right up to the general election, it would give him votes at the ballot box massively. So it's a real good incentive. And it would put more money into the exchequer. And it put more money into people's pockets. And there'd be a lot of happy bunnies out there driving on our tarmac. So why, do, why doesn't he do that? You know, if, if you were my PR guy and I happen to be the prime minister, somebody that was running for election, after what you've just said, would I not be stupid to at least not try this for a six-month period, a 20p cut uh, in fuel uh, fuel duties? Would I not be stupid? To what, what's stopping them from doing what you've just suggested? Well, he's sound, surrounded by people that are in love with the net zero fantasy. You know the target of that all that sort of thing uh and, and most of the people in westminster that, that actually advise him uh, you know cycle to work they don't use cars etc they don't understand that you know outside of london you know and and certainly out of the main conurbations people rely on their car they've got no choice you know go to a hospital going to school uh you know to, uh, education etc all the things that you i could go on a, a litany or a, li a list of things that people why they need their car and the most important thing is is you know people like white van man we're in an internet economy everything's delivered on a van and guess what they're fueled by diesel and petrol mm -hmm. why he doesn't see that if we give more money to into the put more money into the economy incentivize people to move to cleaner fuels as well i'm not anti you know moving away from petrol diesel eventually but not now and you don't hit people in the pocket and, and that's one reason i'm also standing as london mayor because we've got a horrible dishonest mayor in london all he sees is a motorist he's a cash cow uh, yeah, and you know, there's you know, cows are there for the milking, but there's only so much milk in them. And I think motors are being wrung out at the minute. Uh, you talk about London and specifically, uh, you think about all the charges that are that are being imposed there. You know, you've got those detested ULES uh, charges that are you know daily, and if they're not paid within a certain time, then they start to rack up extra penalties yeah. on that. Uh, there's congestion. You know, uh, there's toll toll. Uh, underpasses being built now as well, people paying a toll. The actual cost of being a motorist, when you actually break it down, it is very expensive because you're paying your road tax as well every year. And even your insurance that you have yeah. to take out, you know, that's going up. There's an insurance premium tax on that as well, unless I'm very much mistaken. I used to be an old uh, old school insurance salesman myself. So you had to add 5%. Yeah, you you would have never guessed it, I'm sure. Uh, but there used to be a 5% uh, levy used to be added, an IPT, an insurance yeah, premium great. tax charge in that as well. So let's just say, let's let's uh, let's say everybody does start moving away from uh, petrol and diesel cars, okay, which I don't think they should unless they want to. If they want to, that's Correct. fine. Absolutely. But those that have moved across and i mean like i'm talking to a lot of people at the minute on the show here i had a great guy on about a few weeks ago uh, called jeff thompson he has a massive uh youtube site called jeff buys cars and he took it and he's a petrol head okay but he took a a tesla out for an extended test drive gave a really honest breakdown of it he said yeah it's got some good points but I'm not confident in it. Uh, I don't like the layout of it. I don't like the fact that I don't have 500 miles range like I do in my old, uh, you know, diesel Land Rover if I put a full tank of diesel into that thing. I don't like the fact that it might not start up on a cold morning. Or if I do need to charge it, I can't find a charging port. And there might be 10 other people waiting for it, all getting aggravated, all suffering from a psychological condition called charging rage or Yes. range anxiety you know it's it's almost if you buy an ev these days your bubble bursts uh pretty quick uh unless you're only using it you know to go to the shops and back or do a school run in it's not really an everyday replacement for a good old-fashioned petrol or diesel is it 
No, it's not indeed. I actually drive a hybrid, and there's no doubt about it that when I'm driving around in London, anything below 30 mile an hour, because no one can get above 30 mile an hour in London, uh, as you know. And if, and if you do go above 20, you get fined. Um, but the, the thing what I, I find it very useful is that when it does uh, run on, ele on, on electric power, at low levels and that's quite good uh, i think that's a great thing it, 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 uh, i've got no problem with it. the technology is fantastic i'm not going to argue with that but all the things mm -hmm. you just said the range anxiety where to find charging the fact that the electricity charging is actually you know delivered to you know fr from fossil fueled uh, um, power stations and all sorts of things and the fact that cradle to grave uh, an electric vehicle whether you like it or not in production terms produces more co2 than the diesel and petrol vehicle uh, you know, we, we know where it's coming out of mines, there's slave labour and the disposal of the big battery. And there's a little matter of the, the, the size and weight of the battery, those sorts of things. They don't pay any tax, uh, to, mm -hmm. the, the, but the potholes are getting deeper by the minute. And those yeah. are the sorts of things which is very frustrating. And one of the things I'm pleading for in this budget also is that can we have some equal taxation for people who use roads? Uh, you know, not it doesn't matter what you whether you cycle. I think cyclists should be taxed too. And I, I can hear them already smashing down my door, calling me what a horrible man I am. And that I'm pro-cycling, but we have to make those roads safe and sound for everyone. And that means costs. And it shouldn't be just petrol and diesel drives as subsidizing your hobby. You know, let's take let's take it a step further. Damn it, let's tax the pedestrians as well. If the motorists are <laughs> going to get it and the cyclists, the pedestrians, and even old women using those little rollators and old men and walking sticks, tax them oh, all. Tax them all. Come That's on, what Rick. I say. Rick, Rick, we have Rick, to treat I'm everybody wrong. the same. Equality. <laughs> Equality is what it's all about. Hard. But uh, listen, we'll have to. If we don't laugh about some of these issues, my friend, yeah. we have we're going to cry. And uh, I find that some of the stuff that I'm seeing is ludicrous. We're just talking about the twenty miles per hour thing, and also mounting. How would you say opposition to this? You look at Wales, okay? You look at what yes. Drakeford brought in that ludicrous 20 miles per hour speed limit in a lot of areas that weren't necessarily high risk areas driving motorists absolutely crazy a petition was uh got together to oppose this and the amount of people that signed that petition i think there was over half a million people signed it that was yep. more than the amount of people that actually voted for drakeford in the previous election and when he was presented with this in the senate he simply uh, he was asked the question will you take this into consideration he stood up and in very blase gave a one-word answer no and then he sat down again so it makes you wonder you know what what do we do what do we actually do to get rid of this madness because we, we would never advocate you know uh, violence and you know public destruction or anything like that we believe in peaceful mass non-compliance what can we do what can we do to cut a break as motorists right across the uk and ireland well we, we've got to keep going with people power and that's uh, and, and you're quite right i've uh, for 15 years, I've been running Fairfield UK and we've managed to secure a freezing duty. In fact, a, a 6p cut is in there as well. And I'm mm -hmm. trying to fight, uh, you know, in this budget, which is, I think, what, 12 days time uh, mm -hmm. to make sure it doesn't go up again, because we understand the uh, the office, office of budget inaccuracy, oh, sorry, responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. They uh, apparently are saying that the only way we can afford the national insurance cuts we've just enjoyed in quotes i'm saying here mm. um is that the fact is that, that we have to put up uh, fuel duty by 5p um and mm. so all of these situations the only way you can get this through i mean i'm just about to put send out an email to my supporters to contact their mp uh, to mm. say please will you uh, join in with the petition i'm handing in on monday in, in 10 down the straight of 100 well, at the moment we've got 120,000 signatures which uh, we're, t we're taking on walking with, with mps people like pretty mattel john redwood all these people 
bar on the motorist side. And on Wednesday, I've got a walk-in reception, which I'm, you know, for MPs in Portcullis House, that's the uh, offices where the uh, the MPs, you know, have uh, by the side of the, the House of Commons, by Houses of Parliament. I'm asking them to actually come on, put down exactly where do you stand on taxation with 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 petrol and diesel so i'm doing that sort of thing and it does work because at the moment i'm suddenly getting a lot of emails and and contact from mps worried about them losing their seats and they're saying oh we do support the motorists because i have over two thousand supporters of fairfield uk in each constituency including in 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 northern ireland as well and and i've got a great supporter of sammy wilson he's just absolutely brilliant he's just he'll do anything i say to him yeah exactly those are the sorts of things they've got to do. I'm not an advocate for gluing yourself to the roads and things like that sort of thing, because all that does is they alienate the very people you want on your side. So mm-hmm. you've got to keep pushing it. We've got to work through the system. But I must admit, I get frustrated sometimes. I feel like doing something quite rash sometimes, but I'll, yeah. I'll keep that between me and my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep it, keep it, keep it uh, behind closed doors, of course. But listen, you wouldn't be human if you didn't feel like that. Just one last thing to round this off. I saw a post that you put up yesterday. Uh, GB News had highlighted a story to say uh, we should be having a vote of no confidence in the chief of police. It's his force that are turning their backs on criminal acts in Parliament Square. He's absolutely no use. And this is in relation to projecting uh, imagery on the Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament. The Met yep. Police are standing there, seemingly turning a blind eye. Is this uh, selective policing at its absolute worst, just as we're well, at this up? It, it seems that way. I mean, one of the jobs I'll have is actually I'll be in charge of the police as the Police and Crime Commissioner for London. And uh, I, I don't handle anything operationally, but I would obviously uh, work decide whether that particular commissioner, or sorry, that particular you know ch- ch- chief of police actually keeps his job. Um, mm-hmm. And I do, I am worried about this. I mean, I saw Martin Daubney of GB News got an egg mm-hmm. thrown at him and, Things like that. That was an assault, and he and he reported that to the police on site. They said, "Oh, well, we're going to sort it out." They didn't sort it out. And likewise, uh, Martin also reported that laser display on the side of uh, uh, the Elizabeth Tower, the Big Ben, uh, and you know, you know, from the sea river to sea to the grave, or whatever. It's a horrible thing to actually basically wanting to see the end of the Jews. Um, that was uh, uh, projected onto the tower, and Martin reported it to the police, and they said, "Oh, yes, we saw that. We're sorting it out." They didn't do anything. Whereas if you and I, if you and I did something like that, we'd be arrested immediately. And if we're doing 22 mile an hour over a 20 mile limit, we get a fine. So what's going on? The police have got to get on top of this. And when I get elected, uh, I will definitely be looking at actually getting back to some serious policing again. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, some other stuff that I've seen uh, over the last few weeks, there was some some uh, ceremony that was being carried out on a bridge in London outside Houses of Parliament. There was a load of half-naked men slapping their chest, carrying a coffin around with an Arabic flag on it. I don't know about you, but the last time I took off my shirt in public and slapped my chest, uh, they, they wanted to arrest me for gross indecency, <laughs> let alone let me parade around with my mates. So we, need, we do need some equality uh, to be applied to everybody. You know, if the all applies it should apply to everybody instead of tippy toeing around certain groups of people because they don't want to offend and one thing and another but uh hard we're up to time in this one now it's been an absolute blast talking to you Fo- follow him if you can please on uh twitter at hard c cox c-o-x and check out his website fairfuel dot or sorry fairfuel uk dot com and remember he's running for the mayor mayor of london uh, <laughs> candidate not the lord mayor i will never make i'm gonna make that mistake again the next time we talk i know we are but please will you forgive me yeah love you rick take care mate look after yourself 
Have a great weekend. That's uh, Hard Cox. I will be back. Uh, is that the end of the show? Yeah, it is. That's the end of the show. But I've got another one coming up uh, in the next star after the news. So please don't go away. This is TNT. Uh, this is Rick Bunn. I'll be back. Don't go away. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back.